Blog Talk Radio. I've been ringing those wonderful wedding bells all month. Those are real wedding bells from the San Juan Capistrano Missions Bell Tower, ringing out joyful celebration when they have a a wedding there. Now, last week I talked about the mistress part one. And I went into more detail about a relationship that I had had with a married man for seven years. And I didn't know he was married when I met him. And by the time I found out that he was married, uh, nine months later, I was in love for kind of the first time in my life and not really, really willing to look at the truth uh, of the situation. I just was choosing to believe that love was the strongest power in the world and love would win out. I believed that if I could just love him enough, then he would love me back. Enough that he would make the choice to be with me. I mean, he was already not living with his wife. They had lived separately for years. And it was her choice to not live with him because he wanted to live in California and she was afraid of earthquakes and she was Catholic, so she believed she couldn't get a divorce and he wouldn't get the divorce anyway because he didn't want to give half of his money to her and another half of his half to lawyers and end up with not enough money to live on himself. So he did maintain separate residences for them, and they had lived their separate lives for a long time. And he actually had (laughs) fake divorce papers because that's how he'd gotten his membership into the singles sailing club where I had met him. Well, when I found out he was married, I did go into a great conflict with myself. Do I stay or do I go? You know, the fight is always with ourselves. It just really has nothing to do with that other person. Because the only person involved in the conflict is me. I fought myself about this. I fought it with myself, not with the other person. Because the conflict is within All conflict is inside of ourselves. If we stop and ask the question, what's going on here? What am I to do that will give me the greatest happiness? What will fulfill my need? What is the need that I have here? Because if we can stop and start to ask ourselves some questions, we will get answers that will help us make the best decision for our life. I mean, in Cheryl Weinstein's tell-all book about being Bernie Madoff's mistress for 20 years, on the inside dust jacket it says, from the boardroom to the bedroom, in each other, these two found something that had been lacking in their own lives. And I believe that in every single case of forbidden love, there is a lack in each of the people that makes them vulnerable to the affair. 
well, I went over and over and over this. I didn't ask myself questions. I didn't see myself as having a problem. I saw myself as a victim. I was the innocent one here. He had lied about being single. He presented himself as available, and I fell in love as hard as a person can fall in love, almost for the first time in my life. I mean, you are supposed to have this first love, you know, when you're about 15 or 16 or 17. And and apparently most people remember that first love they had their whole life. But I hadn't had a relationship with any man at all for the first 18 years of my life. And then I had one year of college to find a husband, and I picked the one I thought would make the most money. And then when he left me because he said he didn't feel like I really truly loved him, and then I had been alone all those years until I met the married man. So I felt like a total victim. (laughs) The wife chooses not to be with him, so she gets what she deserves. She must accept he's going to be with other women because he's a man. He he needs to be with a woman. But she's Catholic and she believes a priest can live without a woman, so she would believe that her husband could live without the sexual graces of a woman if he truly loved her. And then I found out, of course, that he went regularly and spent time with her. And I'm sure he told her that he loved her. So this would fuel her belief that he would be true to her, even though she didn't want to live in California. And, of course, this is what he wanted her to believe. So he would do whatever was necessary to have her to continue to believe it. And he bribed his kids who lived with him and saw the many different women that he saw and bribed them by providing them with their every need, desire, and whim. He was very quick to respond to them and to make sure that they were happy And they got to do what they wanted to do and have what they wanted to have. Now, I watched this excessive attention that he gave to his children, and I mistakenly believed that he was just about the most wonderful dad I had ever met. And I wanted to believe that he was a great dad. And I mistook his grandiose love he had for his kids because that hit me in the deepest core part of myself where I had never had a father and had never experienced the love of a father. And I wanted to know what that love felt like more than anything else, I guess, that I had ever wanted in my life. So I just hung on in there with that married man, way beyond all rational reasons, beyond the ridiculous to keep feeling that that love I believed he had for his kids would eventually be for me. Well, now I can see that he kept the kids controlled by giving them this attention because he was the master controller of his situation. He controlled everybody and everything in his life. He had been tremendously successful in his business life. And he had made enough money to never have to work again after he was 32 years old. But now he worked all day, every day to keep everything and everyone in his life doing exactly what he wanted them to do. And he did it with flattery and abundant attention to detail. (laughs) He did it by finding out what it was that the other person seemed to want in the worst way and the 
manipulating them by promising them that he would fulfill that desire for them. And in my case, while he didn't really know that at the deepest core level of my need, I was, you know, responding to his father love, he used that divine idea of loving and being loved and wanting to live forever with his true love to manipulate me, you know, holding that idea out in front of me like a carrot on a string in front of the rabbit. But I've since realized there was another dynamic working in this situation that was way down deep inside of him. Because remember what the Bernie Madoff's uh, mistress said, that the two found something that had been lacking in each of their own lives. Okay. Because in his heart, there was a raw, bleeding sore from his total lack of the unconditional love of a mother. Because his mother would just leave him and his two little brothers all the time and go back home and live with her mother. And he never, ever knew when she was going to leave. He never knew if she would ever come back. And I don't really think he actually knows yet how that raw, open place inside of his heart longs to be healed as he goes through woman after woman after woman, putting them through more and even more excruciatingly difficult regimens, abruptly leaving us with no idea when he'll be back, just like his mother left him, until every single one of us finally cracks under the pressure to be more and to do more and to love more, and we have to leave. And as each one of us has left, he once again pounds another nail into that bleeding sore in his heart because once again, every woman proved that she was just like his mother who left him unattended and unloved and alone. You know, it's hard for a child to understand why their mother abandons them. I mean, we don't understand that kind of rejection as a child. Why doesn't she love me? This was the truth of why his mother had abandoned him. It must be that all women are like this. This is the conclusion he drew. And this was, uh, he proved it over and over and over. And women will eventually leave you and not take care of you anymore because that is what women do. Now, I can understand his desire to not to have to give away half of his money to get a divorce. And I think that these broad rules and regulations that have been established based upon the experiences of the masses are many times very unfair in individual cases. I think every case should be evaluated on its own merits. And in his case, the wife had never worked. She had no idea about money because he had always made plenty of money and handled the money. And in his essence, as a person, by nature, he's a loving and generous person. She lived in an environment of abundance. She never had to worry about the rent being paid or if she had money to put gas in her car. There was always plenty of food on the table. Everyone had oodles of clothes. I mean, so many that on (laughs) a regular basis, a big box was taken to the Salvation Army so there could be room for all the new stuff. And in fact, because this man knew how much good stuff His family donated to the Salvation Army in his retired years. 
he made regular visits to the local Salvation Army to see what good stuff was there. And in fact, one time while we were in Hawaii on the Big Island, <laughs> we drove a salva- past a Salvation Army store, and he pulled right in. And we went in and looked around. And I have two little glass fish that sit on one of my end tables in my living room right this minute that I bought at that Hawaii Salvation Army store. (laughs) Now, in his case, a judge could decree that he should keep taking care of the money since there was absolute proof that he would be generous and dedicated to his wife's and children's welfare. And then that sham of a marriage could be over and each one of them could have a good life with another person. But she just couldn't get a divorce because she she would never be able to live with herself if she was divorced because this would condemn her to hell in her Catholic beliefs. And I know that without a doubt, unless this man had some really deep counseling to heal the pain of not ever having that unconditional love of a mother, that he would just continue his ways with women. And there would always be many, many, many women who would eventually leave him you know down in his heart he believed that if his wife loved him even though um, that she stayed with him because of her catholic faith uh, he believed that she would live with him if she truly loved him and see i believe this also so she proved to him that she was just like every other woman when she left california because she was afraid of the earthquakes So you see, there's just no solution for this situation. As long as she holds on to her belief systems and as long as he's not healed. There really is no simple solution for any situation where a married person is having an affair. In the case of Bertie Mandoff and his mistress, billions of dollars were being scammed from the investors every day. And while he was telling her he loved her, he was taking her own personal funds as well as the money from Hadessa that she was in charge of and spending it in riotous living. She tells of their intimate times together, loving and kissing and laughing and sharing. Those low, close, personal, delicious times together in the realms of loving and being loved. Were these times also a scam? I don't believe they were because my intimate times with my married man were also sweet and wonderful and true. And I believe that in the core of every affair are deep and strong, pure and true moments of the primordial, unconditional love that is our pure and true nature and that is what we do share with one another. I'm not justifying affairs, and I know that all infidelities will fall into this category. Some affairs are just one-night stands to release the pressure, which is why in my book, 17 Things to Do (laughs) While Waiting for Mr. Wright, Jumping into the Bed on the First Date is not one of them. I mean, there was a story on the Internet about a girl who jumped into bed on her first day, and she's just now (laughs) found out she's expecting triplets. 
not one but three unplanned babies now coming into this world with less than a good chance of having a stable, loving environment in which to grow up. What is her deep core issue, having unguarded sex on a first date? Now, if a man is cheating on his wife, ladies, the wife will always be number one, no matter what. There's always something that is holding that man to his wife. In a case of one friend I know, the man was in his second marriage, and the second wife had been in an affair while he was married to the mother of his children. He did get the divorce and marry the second woman, but a divorce always tears up all of the finances. And what, is, what a man has built up in preparation for when he's not going to be working can be dramatically altered. So now he was having an affair on the second wife, but he believes he now is too old to regain again the financial security for his old age. So he stays married to the second woman while having the affair with my friend. Now listen to what my friend wrote in her diary. I love you, married or not. I love you, by your side or hundreds of miles apart. I love you, right or wrong. I love you. All these words on all these pages is because I love you. I'm scared, vulnerable, overwhelmingly insecure, scared, but I love you. Please try really hard not to hurt me. See that my love is pure and honest and real. Don't break my heart. Be the man I trusted with my heart. Be that man you always are when you are with me. Keep me as your baby. Stay with me. Love me and let me love you. Please, I love you. And two weeks after she wrote that, he went to Walmart one morning and had a heart attack and fell dead in the aisle at the Walmart. And today my friend's grief is inconsolable. Well, I remember when I was in the first stages of trying to disconnect with the love I had for my married man, and I would just sit at my desk and draw a picture of his gravestone. (laughs) I wished he was dead. It seemed to me at that time that it would be easier if he died. But trust me, my friend has told me, it isn't easier if they die. With death, all hope is lost. Well, to me, that was the point. If I knew that he was dead and in the ground with his body going back to dust, I could then allow my love for him to dissolve also. It seemed so much harder to just continue to see him every day and every day at the pool where we live with another new woman holding her, kissing her, whispering sweet things in her ear. It was always so romantic when we would go to the pool, usually a preload for making love and then getting a pizza and watching a movie in bed. And I would imagine that she's now the one who gets to do this. And I would tell myself it would be easier if he was dead. And I didn't have to see this every day. And I quit going to the pool and I gained 10 pounds. I hung the picture of his grave up in my office and I would look at it every day. And I told myself, he's dead to me, he's dead to me, he's dead to me. But there is that part of us 
and I believe it's in the divine part of us that hopes, hopes against hope that at some time, some place, somehow the desire of our heart can come true. Didn't the Bible promise me I could have the desires of my heart? Why do we have to this deep concept that the only way to get the desires of our heart is through death? Is it that old myth, when I die and go to heaven, I will have riches and no more pain, and I won't have to work at this dreary job anymore, and I'll be loved by everyone and adored, and I'll finally be happy? Well, if he would die, then my love could, uh, for him could be freed and released. And then I could eventually be able to love and be loved by someone else and have the desires of my heart. But he hasn't died yet, and he has a genetic pool that could allow him to live to be 100. So I probably will just go before he does. It's a good thing that the woman he's with now is a lot younger than he is because she'll be able to be with him until he passes. So I just closed off my heart and took a step back into being a non-self, detached and unfeeling, living my life out of the rational brain, brain, claustrophobic and self-mutilating. But now at last I have decided that since I could still have some time left too, I'm cleaning out all of that old stuff out of my heart and releasing that tight control I've kept over myself, protecting my heart. And these last few years that I have here left on the earth, I'm going to live loving and being loved. And I have also realized that love is eternal. And once you do love someone, you will keep loving that person. So I don't need to get rid of the love I have for him. I can allow that love to be free by continuing to love him. And I think of that moment when I married two people and when they have that first kiss as husband and wife, they are more in love than they will ever be. And then if later on they get a divorce and that love turns to hate, actually hate is just the love in a negative manifestation. And we can just allow that original love to stay in our heart and know that at that moment of that kiss, we love them more than we have ever loved anyone. And then let the rest of the time of our relationship with that person, especially if there are children involved, be in the knowing that we did love them. And so we don't need to have that love be ruined, violated, betrayed, or taken advantage of. We freely gave our love, and we can fiercely and freely continue to love it's all about what we decide to do with our own life it's not about the other person it's just about ourselves so the dynamics that are involved in the joining together of any two souls are always complicated there are layers and layers of each person that are interacting with the layers and layers of the other person belief systems come into contact with one another and many times in conflict with one another. Cultures, interacting with cultures. I mean, if two people from the same culture hook up, it's easier. Less amount of time getting used to the other person's culture. But childhood experiences to childhood experiences. And to whatever extent the primitive brain of each person has trauma and unresolved hurts, abandonment or rejection or regret, 
to whatever extent the person has unfulfilled needs in their life. We are vulnerable to even the teeniest, tiniest bit of interaction with another soul. So if you're involved in an affair, look inside of yourself first and see what's going on there. What part of you is holding on to that forbidden love? What part of you is grasping for even a tiny bit of validation, recognition, acceptance, adoration, appreciation, a way to feel like you mean something to someone? In many cases, it all uh, boils down to money, you know, who gets what. I'm beginning to think that Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell have it right. What is hers is hers. What is his is his. And they're together because they love each other, and neither one wants to be with anyone else. In order for this to be true, a woman would need to secure her independence and her self-sufficiency. And, of course, then there would be... would there would need to be a decision about how to handle things if they would decide to have children. If a woman gives up a job to stay at home and raise the children, I think the man should pay her a salary and have Social Security taken out of it, in addition to providing the home and food and everything else for the children. And then each person pays for the house, each person pays for themselves, and each person contributes to the welfare of the children. And if they decide to go their separate ways, Everything is sold. Each person takes half, and perhaps, uh, or perhaps we should make a condition of marriage that if you do have children, you have to stay together until the children are raised, because this might help get those kids out on their own faster. You know, not having 25-year-old kids still living at home with mom and dad. I have gone into a good discussion about this in my book, 17 Things to Do While Waiting for Mr. Right, which you can download for free on the Internet at www.mrrightforme.com. Today I totally agree with the words of Alfred Lord Tennyson. It is better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. I still remember how I felt when I was first in love I mean, my body felt like it was filled with bubbly champagne. I felt light on my feet, dancing through the hours of each and every day, doing my job with the energy of loving and being loved, and then looking forward to being with my true love at the end of the day. And I looked radiant. People said I was beautiful. I was a magnet everywhere I went. People wanted to look at me. People wanted to be with me. Because I was so filled with love, it just spilled down in big spoonfuls everywhere I went. (laughs) Love is the natural essence of the soul. And when the soul is living in the fullness of love, the soul is connected to the source of love. And then this energy fills the whole body. And the body radiates this energy. And all of the systems of the body work in perfect harmony with each other. And my body just became you know went into its absolute perfect weight and looked fantastic and i think we become eternal i just don't think we could ever die if we stayed in this fullness of the power of loving and being loved so i'm going to i have been cleaning out now all that stuff out of my heart and i'm inviting you to clean out your heart and let your heart be healed Because now I'm finally seeing the bigger picture of why I held on to that affair for as long as I did. 
and I and then I took my life into my own hands and I made a resolution. No one and nobody was ever going to manipulate and control me ever again. And I made a resolution to never depend upon another person for anything. I would never give up the control of my life again. I would never trust another person to do what they said they were going to do if it involved anything personal for me. I do trust in my business because I know that the vendors I work with are in business to earn a living, and they're going to be there and do what they say they'll do because they want to get paid. And I have a wonderful group of wedding vendors I work with who are the best in their field and are totally dependable. But when it comes to personal relations, I don't put myself at risk. I don't allow any situation where I am not in control. I always drive. I meet a person somewhere. I'm not going to end up needing to leave and not have her having my car. But however, in some later life coaching I've had, I've learned that a lot of that also is old energy. And it was now time for me to unplug the cord to this need to be in control. Because until I did, I wouldn't ever be able to trust or have any kind of a relationship of loving and being loved again. So now I'm beginning to recognize that this um, this kind of um, energy in other people, and I see where other people have also closed off their heart, and they've made resolutions to never let a certain thing happen to them again, and making sure that they are protected against the pain of betrayal or violation ever again, they also are closed off to a good event happening in their life. Because focusing on the old negative energy of the past continues to draw that type of negative energy back into our life. Like attracts like. I remember how magnetic I was when I was in love. I was like a bright light going around everywhere, lighting up the darkness. And I found out that people wanted to be with me. People wanted to be in my presence because it made them feel good. No one likes to be with someone who's always complaining, finding fault with everything, always sad and feeling bad with a story to tell of how they've been wronged or what someone did to them. These are people who are anger, angry, and anger comes from hurt. So down in their heart is a raw, bleeding sore that hurts them, and they're fighting to stay alive, to keep going and to make it, and all they know how to do is to fight it, is to be against something, to point out what's wrong with everything, to find ways to expose the evil so that they can feel some sort of comfort in their own soul for the hurt that's been done to them. Is there a better way to do this? (laughs) Well, what I'm doing now is trusting myself. I now know that within my heart is all of the wisdom and knowledge I need to live my life, and I can trust this. I can trust these inner wisdoms that come from the unconditioned ego and the unconditional love of God that beats my heart. And I know that I can trust this. I know now I, don't, I cannot be taken advantage of. I will have all of the information I need to make all decisions now for my life that are in my highest and best good. And I know now that I give God form that without me, God has no form and is void. And instead of living in the void, 
I am now going to live in the light of this understanding that I can trust my heart. My heart will lead me down a real primrose path that is strewn with all of the benefits of being the divine in a human experience. I can now open my heart and feel again, and I'm feeling good. (laughs) So I encourage you to go inside your heart and see if there's hurt there and see if there is lack there or see if there is some unfulfilled need. And if you need to work with a life coach, I recommend Heart Math. That's Heart Math, M-A-T-H. Because once you find out what the hurt or the need is, and if there is a person associated with this hurt or need, you can begin that process of forgiveness and releasing them and allow that hurt to be healed and the need to be fulfilled. And then begin to fill your heart with love for yourself as who you are. Because you are perfect in your natural state. You are desired and accepted by yourself as perfect in your natural state. Only then can we start to live our life in love with ourselves and then be able to love others. I want to thank you for listening to my story these last two nights. Because, you know, there are a lot of broken people out there. And if just one person hears my story and receives enough understanding about their own situation that allows them to pick themselves up and dust themselves off and get back into the mainstream of life, beginning that they are perfect and that they are deserving of loving and being loved, then I will feel that my pain has not been in vain. I'm going to ring those wedding bells for you. Tomorrow night I'm going to talk about Mr. Wright, has he been to war? And this is Marcian saying good night. <laughs>